This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the family with Tom Bernard and co-host Catherine Brandt, Tevin Pittman, Alex Brandt Bernard Rasmussen, Andy Brandt Bernard, and Cassie Schrader. We will be right back. Kick things off. Welcome to the family. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and <laughs> it's gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw and Bryant. Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents Car Selling Secrets. Join me, Tom Bernard, and Doug Sprinthal as we talk cars, how to buy them, how to lease them, how to make the most of your money, and much more. What's it going to take to earn your business right now? Tune in every Thursday from 2 to 3 Central or download it on the Tom Bernard Podcast page. I don't know. I think I'm going to have to think about it. You 
couldn't buy guitars at the five and dime. Sorry. Yes, I got my guitar from Woolworths. Well, they had those kind of cardboardy ones. They did? Yeah, I remember. They used to have five and dime was like uh, it was a variety store. They used to be called variety stores. Like yeah. Woolworths or... And nothing was a dime, just so you know. Maybe no. a gumball. There were Ben Franklin stores. There were Woolworth stores. There were... I can't remember them anymore, but they, they haven't been around in years yeah. and years. They were basically now. like a dollar store. They used to... Sometimes oh, okay. with a pharmacy with them, right? I don't, I don't remember the pharmacy part. Oh. But I wasn't on a lot of drugs when I was eight, nine years old, so you know. Um, there was an F.W. Woolworth in the first floor of the IDS when it first opened, actually. Was there? Yep. Mm. Oh, cool. Yes, there was. <clears throat> you know, or maybe I dreamt it. No, I'm pretty sure there was. Um, okay. Extra weird mood. <laughs> all I ever do on this show is, is deliver and just, you know, keep keep uh, our listeners from harm. That's what okay? we always say. It's true. It's all we ever do on this show. Um, I saw, Catherine and I saw the worst movie in the history of movie making over the weekend. What? <laughs> the worst movie I've ever seen. It was called oh, Us. It was not oh, nearly oh, the God. worst movie. God, have you seen it? No, I'm going to see it after the, today. <laughs> really? Oh, You'll like it. The worst movie? Huh. You'll it's like it. Hor- no, he will not like <laughs> yes, it. Yes, he will. He'll like it. Devin is a smart man. Devin's a dimwit. Devin will love it. Well, you liked um, Get Out. Oh, so you're saying it's a black person movie. That's what you're saying. Well, it's Jordan Peele. No, because Brittany well, liked it, and I think okay, Candace, liked, Candace it. liked it. I think it's it. the age yep. bracket. It I, is the okay. age bracket, probably. But you think I wouldn't like it. But I like how you go right to the race card, Tevin. <laughs> yeah, Kevin, way so to thank go. you for that. Way to go, Tevin. That's all I got to play. I, <laughs> I kind of liked Get Out. I thought it was okay. I never saw it. Never saw but yeah, it. you don't have it to relate to Get Out because you never saw it. Mom, uh, you saw Get Out. Did, didn't we watch it together? Yes. Yeah. I never saw we, it. We thought it was okay, didn't we? Well, uh, the thing is, is that the writing is so weak in these horror movies that you, you yeah, never really yeah, know what true. the hell is going on anymore. Yeah. It's just like it's just like they just throw anything at the wall and see if it sticks. And what? then it's like, oh, you think you got it figured out? And then all of a sudden it's like, no, that's not what it was. It's just, I don't know. Well, the writing's were, very confusing. There were a lot of plot holes in Get Out. I remember being like, why? This doesn't make sense oh. with it. Like, yes. this doesn't all line up here. They relied yes, the plot a, holes. Yeah. They relied a lot on. Just as big. Okay. They relied a lot on the race thing to get them through. Of course. Through. Right. Oh, they did. Well, it's an easy well, they don't way do to that get an in this Oscar, movie. so hey. They don't play on the race in this movie. Really? They don't play any well, race stuff. A tiny no. bit. A little, but tiny, not very tiny much. Tiny bit. They were playing NWA F the police. When nice. they were murdering the <laughs> oh shadow nice. white people. Yeah, I thought that might people. have been a statement. Mm. <laughs> well, maybe. I like, I like this movie. Maybe. Already. See? Yeah, See? there's a shock. <laughs> but here's the problem. Racist. Crap. <laughs> Here's the problem why I didn't like this movie. Uh, first of all, it makes black men look terrible. I will say that. It makes he all had men look terrible. A broken leg. He didn't have a broken leg candy <laughs> ass that he was. Okay, first of all, first of all, the father of the woman who stars as the wife later on, the mm-hmm. father is told they're at a they're at a carnival or something or a, or a, an amusement park and he's playing the, you know, knock the milk bottles over with the ball or whatever, one of those games, yep. you know what I mean? Mhm. And his wife says to him, I have to go to the bathroom, watch our baby girl. 
He goes, yeah, I'll watch her. And he had already been drinking. Yes. He had already been told. She already said, don't have any more or something Don't like have that. any more booze. So he's already an alcoholic. Yeah. <laughs> so he ignores his daughter, and she wanders off, and they find her 15 minutes later. But there's a twist. So, so number one, dad is completely irresponsible and doesn't protect uh, his own daughter. Completely the child's fault, because he told her to stay close. Yes, it was all the little girl's <laughs> fault. <laughs> then later on, this little girl gets married, and her husband is about 6'4", weighs about 280, but the second the shadow people show up, he goes into, oh, don't hurt me. Oh, God. Um, there is no way I could sit. He sits on the couch with his wife, his daughter, and his son and basically watches the shadow people handcuff his wife to a table. But uh, look, there's no way I would He's been smashed there. by a baseball bat. Who cares, you candy ass? <laughs> and he's what? fighting shadow people, you're saying? I'm doing, well, they're not. I'm they're running. they're like zombies. If he stayed in the house, he did more than I would do because I would be gone out the door. If you had a family, well, that's good to know. Absolutely, okay. I raised them to defend oh, themselves. Okay. <laughs> oh God! Wow. Here we go. See, here we go. Somebody's I know the whole movie. I'm thinking. The, <laughs> the whole movie. I'm thinking. This is why we have to not take guns away from people because if these shadow if people had guns this movie wouldn't have even had to have been made now tevin i will tell you this <laughs> just shoot them they're not really zombies but they sure appeared zombie like okay. to me and i hate zombie movies shadow i've never liked people. any zombie movies so that many. right there is a people. bad start but this guy sits there and watches these people taunt and torture his family and he just he does nothing. Tevin just already guy, said he's okay with that. Guy hit him in the knee with a bat. Big deal. Who can't get past that? So, <laughs> but then he could swim. I made a guess. That was the interesting thing. Oh, is he could swim. He could swim. Yeah, with a broken leg. But he couldn't. <laughs> well, they don't have any buoyancy. So, who was it that said that? It was Al Campana said that black people don't have any buoyancy. That's why they can't swim. Who's Al Campana? <laughs> Al Campana's with. Yeah, never mind. Doesn't okay, matter. All right. But in any case, I made a guess this morning. I said, Jordan Peele did not have a good relationship with his father. Looked it up. No, he did not. His father, Howard Peele, de- deserted he and his mother when he was a baby. Oh, well, there so you he's go. got daddy issues like there's no tomorrow. Well, then right? that doesn't make sense. You, you don't see me abandoning the- you because my dad abandoned me. Well, you either go one way or the other. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. No. Okay, it's now, true, to highlight this and we'll move on. Okay. Here's my lovely wife, Catherine, with her impression of Lupita Nyong'o as the zombie shadow woman. Here we go. We are shadow people. Oh, my God. That's how she talks. (laughs) That's how she talks the whole movie. Oh, Lord. The whole movie. She goes, and then the guy, her husband goes like this. He goes, Yeah, and they call to each other like they're kind of animals. All of a sudden, you'll hear this, in the woods. That was kind of funny. That was the white guy. Oh, that, well, the, I don't the know. The white guy zombie goes, caw, well, caw. Yeah, but he still was a shadow. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they horrendous. made all kinds of very strange noises, which were <laughs> amusing at times. Joe from Louisville says, Catherine, that was effing creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. I That's left exactly Brittany a, mo- uh, a, a message, Brit- yeah. a, a voice message. Saying, <laughs> Don't go in the mall in that voice. Do it again. I want to hear the voice one more time. Oh my god! Don't go in the basement of the mall. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly Jeez. it, man. That's a perfect impression of her. 
But the other, other problem I will tell you, Catherine, I had, uh, the first 45 minutes of the movie, there were two little kids running up and down the aisles and talking at the top of their lungs and they laughing. They were that little. They were older. Well, I thought they were like 10 or 12. Or I think they were like 14, 15. They were should they have known really? better. Sit should not your... have been there. Should not have been in the theater because no, they were and other age. people had toddlers. Yep. I mean, they had toddlers with them. And the little one little kid. Later, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, if she'd turn and go, hey, mom, isn't that F the police? Yeah. yeah. Seriously. Yeah. I love it. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. These, yeah. Those kids have no chance in life with their parents who drag them to this kind of movie. No chance. Oh, no. NWA, Northwest Airlines. Isn't yeah. that what it stands for? Yeah. Sure. That's, That's what it, it stands I for. I think yeah. so. Close. Yes, absolutely. As far as I know. But um, so, so, yeah, 45 minutes, those kids running around making noise. Catherine hollers over, shut up. As usual. So about one minute, <laughs> they quiet down. And then a couple of minutes later, an 80-year-old guy went over right into their face and said, you need to be quiet. Mm. And then he went and sat down. And then they finally shut up. And then they finally shut up. What theater did you guys go to? Yeah, this sounds you guys terrible. Have, well, did uh, really you know, nice. We have to go to a different guy place. guy that pooped his <laughs> pants and everything at the other movie. Yeah. yeah. You guys that was great. We've had a, yeah, uh, had a home run. Yeah, let's go to the drive-in We went at like 4 o'clock on a Friday. We thought we'd be safe. Yes, we did. So, about an hour in, nothing has happened yet. An hour into the movie and nothing happens, right? Way too long. About half the people in the theater got up and left. Yep, they bailed. They just got up and left. Tom had wanted to go. I wanted to leave and Catherine wouldn't leave. (laughs) I'm like, but it's funny when they make the funny sounds. But they hadn't made the funny sounds yet. (laughs) It's funny when they make so then the she starts talking. She goes, "Honest to God, it was one of the worst movies I have ever seen in my entire life." And I pick up the the ultra, you know, far left press. Oh, he's proven himself to be the next Hitchcock. I know. I don't think so. Oh, really? <laughs> okay. Well, the uh, interesting thing is, so many of them are talking about how it, like, it's a biting critique on, you know, like the. Like a rich versus poor gap in America and so forth. No, it isn't. But yeah, you said that it has nothing what? to do with any of that. <laughs> it has what? nothing to do with that at all. Yeah, there's reviews it's, saying that it's like, oh, he expertly points out the privileged versus the have-nots. They have a cabin with a dumpy oh, boat. Oh, if you want, if you really wanted to make something up, you could do that. Which yeah, they you do. could make it up. <laughs> but it was did. not. It was not about that at all. No, these are supposed to be like clones without a soul, is what they are. Yes, they're clones mm-hmm. without like, a soul. It's like the Tevin of movies. <laughs> right, soulless human beings just you know, wandering the earth. <laughs> wandering the earth. But yeah, so we stayed, and then Lupita Nyong'o, uh, her her shadow puppet or whatever it is, she starts talking in that voice, and then they all start going. Urp, 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 urp. Oh God, it was so embarrassing. It's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. There's no getting around it. Um, I never saw it Get Out. Interesting. It's always what? in these cases. It's always interesting to see the critic versus the audience score. I wonder. I usually yeah. the audience score be here. 94% critic, 69% audience. Oh, there you go. That so makes total you sense. And that's yeah. way high. I usually don't pay much that's attention to high. Dad's reviews of movies. I say you hate everything. Because he hates most things mm-hmm. or thinks it's the greatest thing ever. kind of do. But Mom, I usually agree with on movies. And she hated it more than I did. She hated it too. So <laughs> well, that's well. saying no, something. No, I mean... I went and saw it. I I stayed through the end. I didn't bail. If I hated it, I would have left. I thought... You thought it was funny. I thought it was was actually kind of funny. 
It was so bad it was funny, he thought. Well, and I also knew it had to go somewhere. I mean, they took so long setting it up that I was getting, like, super bored with it. Um, you know, and they kind of, it was like, what are they going to do? They made the White family, like, really obnoxious. And they were all They hated obnoxious. each other. So I'm like, they're going to do something with this White family, which, of course, they did. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just was like, where are they going to go? I just wanted to see if it would actually turn into a movie with a plot. Nope. It's no just a cliche luck. zombie movie where the zombies wear red pajamas and carry big gold scissors. <laughs> they do. It was like a jumpsuit. Exactly. It was like right. a weird prison jumpsuit thing that they were all wearing. Uh, the other thing that I had wrong with, and again, I, I'm showing my age here because I remember a show uh, on, on the Twilight Zone called Mirror Image where a woman was followed around by her doppelganger. And that's what this movie is. Yeah. I mean, it was basically, I don't think he stole it, but he definitely played upon it. Yeah. And he talked about how he loved that episode of Twilight Zone. Uh-huh. So, look, I think the guy's got talent. He was never funny. Uh, I didn't, Key and Peel, Key was always the funny guy in, in that deal when he's doing like A.A. Ron. The substitute teacher who yeah. couldn't pronounce any kids' names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was very Timothy. funny. Timothy. 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 Blake? My name's Blake. Mm. Uh, yeah. Blake. Hey, Blake. How no. you doing, Blake? My name is Blake. Balake. Oh, Balake. That's what Balake. it was. Yeah. Balake. Yeah. That was very, very that was funny. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Jessica. All of it. It was wonderful. <laughs> um, well, we got about a minute and a half left. So let's intro Roger, who is on the phone. Roger. I like that. That's a good plan. But Roger, do yourself a favor and run away. Run away from us, the movie. It's horrendous. Okay. <laughs> I hear you. Hey. <laughs> okay. Uh, Zucked waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. I like Zucked. Zuckerberg. Zucked. That works for me, Roger. He does Zuck. I'm glad. I'm glad uh, you like it. You know, it's an important yes. issue, and it's something that I think affects us all. It's one of those things where you know the context is that I've spent 36 years involved in Silicon Valley making products that made our lives better. And at one time, mm-hmm. I was an advisor to Mark Zuckerberg. I was an advisor mm-hmm. to Sheryl Sandberg. I helped to bring them together. Um, and that was all when I was active in the business back in 2006 to 2009. I retired, and then it happened that uh, a couple of years ago, I started to see things going on at Facebook that just didn't fit my understanding of what a social network should do. People were getting hurt, and it was basically because the yep. design of the product and the algorithms were allowing bad people to hurt good people. And so I, I reached out it. to Mark and Cheryl in uh, in the fall of two thousand of twenty sixteen, you know, uh, in October, and just said, "Hey guys, there's something really wrong going on here." And I spent three months privately with my friends, saying, "Guys, you know." There's all kinds of things going wrong. There's something about your business model that is, you know, allowing people to to do things that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. And they kind of dismissed it, treated it like a public relations issue, not like a business problem. And I found myself, and you guys, I'm sure you've been in the same place, where you come to oh, a yeah. moment in time, you realize, if I'm going to stand up for something, this is the moment I have to do it. You know, and so I had yep. to turn my back on a 36-year career and basically become... A, an activist to try to alert the people that, hey, guys, Google, Facebook, Instagram, 
uh, YouTube, you know, some parts of Amazon, some parts of Microsoft are doing things that are undermining your liberty. They're basically doing things that they're they're pretending to do one thing while they're doing something more dangerous. And we have an opportunity because this is a democracy. We have an opportunity to take our rights back. And I'm in a campaign to do that. And that's what I want to speak to all your listeners about. You're a good man. We'll be right back with Roger McNamee. Is that how you pronounce your name is McNamee? That is exactly correct. The old Irish. I wanted to make sure. Yeah, you know, because I went to Catholic school. That's why I know how to say your name. Yeah, well, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) (laughs) We'll be right back. And your knuckles can still feel the nuns and their rulers. I'm looking at it right now. I have a lifelong scar on my left pinky finger knuckle. It's true. We'll be right back with Roger right after this. It's Tom Bernard with CEO Michael Bilski from North American Banking Company. Michael, we spent some time talking about your free app and money transfer service, XCheck, which is just great, by the way. You can transfer money to your kid to travel home from college and lots of other uses. I got wind of another service you provide at North American Banking Company. What's this Super ID I've been hearing about? Great question, Tommy. Super ID uses your face proof and your finger proof to keep your identity and your money secure. It's really a foolproof way to protect your family and your business from identity fraud. It's simple, fast, and oh, the best part is that it's free to our customers. Super ID, super easy, and super secure. Visit nabanco.com or see my personal banker to get the scoop on XCheck and Super ID. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and an equal housing lender. Tom here. Over the years, you've heard me go on and on about my eyes and how great I've been treated by the folks over at Whiting Clinic. Well, it's not just me. There's a reason Whiting Clinic is the number one LASIK practice in the United States and the trusted LASIK provider around these parts. Dr. Whiting's unsurpassed experience, the most advanced Contura laser technology, and lifetime coverage are all backed by Whiting Clinic's best price guarantee. Being the experts that they are, they want to make sure you have the very best for your eyes, just like I did. For a limited time, mention my name and receive an additional $300 off your LASIK. That's $300 off Whiting Clinic's already low price for LASIK. Trust your eyes to Twin Cities LASIK experts. Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020 and don't forget to tell them Tom sent you. Offer expires March 31st, 2019. Good for both eyes only. Cannot be combined with any other offers. Uh oh, I knew you were going to play this. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Roger McNamee with us, ladies and gentlemen. I could not agree more. Zuck to waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. Roger, I will tell you, as a, uh, I do a morning show in, in the market as well as this show. And boy, I found out even if you are a local public figure, they can say whatever they wish to about you, and there's nothing you can do about it. What's that all about? So the issue that we're dealing with here is that businesses like Google, like YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, they need your attention. And in order to do it, they get you, they want to create a habit. So they use things like notifications and likes, which are really rewards to get you coming back. And in the process, right, they create a habit that for most of us turns into an addiction. And I always ask people, I say, you want to know if you're addicted or not, when do you check your phone first thing in the morning? Is it before you pee or while you're peeing? (laughs) Because for all of us, that's pretty much the story, right? 
And, and so, <laughs> yes. so they get us hooked, right? And then in order to make, basically keep us on the site, they appeal to things we can't resist, basically fear and anger, outrage. You know, they want to appeal to, you know, they give us conspiracy theories and disinformation because for whatever reason, there's something in human wiring that makes that stuff irresistible. And so as a consequence, when you create a platform built around this, bad guys can exploit all of that stuff. Right. And that's really what's been going on. I mean, that's what happened in New Zealand. That's what's going on in, you know, yeah. all over the place. And and the basic notion is that they profit from that outrage, from that fear, from all the things mm-hmm. that are bugging you. Right. And every one of us looks at this thing and goes, wait a minute, people are just, you know, Every, you don't even have to be a public figure to be on the pointy end of this. I mean, if you're on Instagram and you're 12 or 13 years old, you know, you're going to get bullied. If you're, you know, on Instagram and you're eight, 17 or 18, you're going to get a fear of missing out because all your friends are someplace and you're not there, right? All yeah. of this is designed to poke our emotional buttons. And Google really invented this strategy in 2002, but they were really clever. They managed to basically use... Like a, like a magician, they used misdirection, so we didn't see what was going on until Facebook screwed up and kind of blew the game for everybody. <laughs> and, right. and my right. job is to make sure that everybody understands what's going on, that the goal of this whole thing, what they did is they went to our credit card processing companies to get every credit card transaction we've ever done. They went to oh uh, the cellular companies to find out our location every moment, right? They go to health and wellness apps and get all this data about our personal health. They go and and buy up all of our web browsing history. They gather data on kids, and they've done all this without permission, right? They've just grabbed it, mm-hmm. and right. they and they do the same thing, tracking us everywhere we go on the web. And my simple point here is that the country needs to ask the question: Why is it legal? For a company right. like Google or Microsoft, which offers email and and online apps, why is it legal for them to read your your messages and your documents to gather data that they can use for their own economic gain? Why is it legal for a credit card processor like you know Experian or Equifax or TransUnion to sell my credit card history? I mean, why is that legal? Mm-hmm. Why is it legal right. for my yep. cellular company right. to sell my location or? Right? I mean, the point is, none of this stuff should be legal. And we have an election coming up, and, you know, I'm working with the Department of Justice, the Antitrust Division. I'm working with the Federal Trade Commission. I'm working with members of Congress on both sides of the aisle, because you know what? This is not political. This is right versus wrong, not right versus left. And it's the one thing, you know, if we want to bring the country together, this is one of those issues where, you know, all of my friends on both sides of the aisle sit there and go, wait a minute, why, why are they allowed to gather data on kids, right? Why is that? That is shouldn't amazing. be legal. That should actually be criminal, right? And, you know, if you ever – here's another one for you. Have you ever gone to one of those things that says we need to test to see if you're a robot, identify pictures that have a car in it right. or a streetlight? Right. You ever seen that thing? Yep. You know what's yep. really going on? You're not, they're not figuring out if you're a human from that. You're training Google's artificial intelligence for self-driving cars. That's they figured out if, they figured out you're a human by the way your mouse moves. Mm-hmm. Now imagine any of these guys. So it could be Google, it could be Facebook, it could be Amazon, Microsoft. They can track your mouse movement over time, which means the first day that your mouse movement slows down and gets wobbly, that might be an indication that you have 
Parkinson's disease just starting. Now, they're going to know this before everybody else. And here's the problem with the way things are now. They're under no obligation to tell you. They're under no obligation to protect your privacy. In fact, the economic incentives are for them to sell that data to the highest bidder, which will be your insurance company, which will almost certainly either raise your rates or take away your coverage, and you still don't even know you might be sick. And my point is, this artificial intelligence, they could use, they could do this for our benefit. They could create a product that simply says, hey, look, we can tell you need to go see a neurologist, right? But the problem with this whole thing is they, they don't treat us like a customer. They don't even treat us like a product. They treat us like, you know, like a reservoir of data, and they extract value from us. So we're, you know, we're really the fuel for that business model. And my point here is I'm somebody who has been in the Valley since 1982, and I was a tech true believer forever. But when I noticed that this was going on, and frankly, I wish I'd noticed it sooner, but when I did it, I realized this was my moment. This was the moment I needed to stand up and be an American. I needed to just say, I'm going to throw away my career. I'm going to commit myself to making sure people are aware and can protect themselves. And it's working, Tom. The beautiful thing about this whole thing is everywhere I go now, really big crowds and really engage people because they realize we can solve this through democracy, right? We can go to every single person who's running for elective office and say, what are you going to do to prevent these people from getting my data? Because it's, that's a very straightforward legislative thing to do. And it's yeah. one of those things that literally everybody can agree on because there's like a million people who work at Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon, right? And there's what, 340 million people in the country, which means 339 million of them are us, <laughs> right? Yeah. I like our no, chances, that's exactly right? It. Yeah. Right? And my point well, is I'm here yeah. with you guys because, you know, I, I come to the Mayo Clinic for my health care, right? So I come up to your part of the world now. And, you know, we're all Americans. This is our country and we were raised to believe that each one of us was entitled to make our own choices. We're entitled you know, to the liberty of being an individual. And the problem with this business model is it's like China. They're doing behavioral modification. They give us things. They say, we're just giving you what you want. And I go, well, hang on, pal. If you were just giving me what I want, how come you're using filter bubbles, which is this place where they just reinforce the same idea over and over again, and suddenly you believe things in a much more radical way than you used to. What about these recommendation engines, right, that say if you like this, you're going to like that? Those aren't actually based on what you want, right? The goal of this thing is to get you to want what they want to sell you. And oh, yeah. I'm saying to you, that's like China, right? That's not America. That should not be something we have in the United States of America. We just shouldn't have it. And we've never had that debate. This whole thing has been done behind a curtain where we couldn't see it. And now that I'm pulling the curtain back, I just want to invite everybody to join in this whole thing, right? And, you know, my book, which, as you said, it's called Zucked, Waking Up to the Facebook Catastrophe, tells my journey. And it's like a thriller. Unfortunately, and this will make you laugh again, I'm like Jimmy Stewart in the Hitchcock movie Rear Window. So I'm a complete <laughs> idiot at the beginning. I see it, what looks like a crime scene, right? And I have no idea what I'm looking at. And I pull on the thread. And I take you on that journey. You don't need to know anything about technology. You don't need, in fact, you, you don't even need to care about it. This teaches what you need to know to protect yourself, to protect your children, and how to talk to politicians. Because they're all going to be coming around. All of them are going to be coming around the country, right? 
we're going to get lots of chances to make our points fit. And it's not just the national ones. You can do this at the state level, right? Any state can pass a law that says, I'm sorry, you can't trade people's credit card information. You can't trade their personal health information. You can't trade location or their browsing history. Any state can do that. And, you know, we can do this one town at a time. And my goal in talking to your listeners is to just say, guys, we're on, we're on Team Human here, right? We're Team America. Let's just do mm-hmm. this together. Let's recognize that, you know, this isn't capitalism anymore because one side, you know, basically Google and Facebook and now Microsoft and, and Amazon are creating these markets where they have perfect information. And any market who wants to reach us has to go through them. But the quid, you know, the, the thing they get is they get perfect information. Now, on our side, we only have the information that Google and Facebook and Microsoft and Amazon let us have. Now, that's mm-hmm. not capitalism. Capitalism requires both sides to have uncertainty and sort of, you know, their own strengths. But we have no ability to negotiate. And so I'm sitting there going, these would be great businesses without behaving this way. We don't have to lose what we like about these products. They just need to stop treating us like like a fuel source, okay? Well, yeah, I, I, I've always, ever since I've learned that they can track you in the store, and, you know, in any store, and find out what you're doing and how you're shopping, mm-hmm. I've always, I, when that started, I was like, okay, I'm turning off all those little tracking devices. But now, if they can even tell what you're doing with the moving your mouse, this is really getting scary. Stuff. It really is, absolutely. Well, Didn't and my point is they shouldn't be doing the laws. thing in the stores either. No, right? They shouldn't no, be doing the thing in the stores either. All of this stuff is so manipulative. And the thing is, we all remember when you could go to a store and browse around and make an impulse purchase here or buy a necessity there. And, you know, that was a good business. But we've kind of undermined all of that because these guys have so much data that they've undermined all those local stores. Now, if you take all this data away from these people, if you set a date, let's say we say December 31st, you can't use this data ever again. In fact, you have to destroy it. And I would say the way you put teeth in it is say, look, if you use anybody's credit card data from before December 31st, any of that data, that's like a crime. You go to jail for 90 days, right? Because you have to put some teeth in it. You gotta make people realize, I'm sorry, we're just, this America, we're not going to do business this way anymore, right? We're going but back about- to, a, to, to the thing we like about business, which is, you know, where we have power, they have power, and together we've come to a good deal, right? Well, aren't the politicians in the pockets of these people that have all this big well, data? to be clear, I don't think so, okay? Some of okay. them are, for sure, okay? Some of them are, for sure. But like I said... I've been having really good meetings at the antitrust division of the Justice Department. I've had really good meetings with people at the Federal Trade Commission. I've had really good meetings with members of Congress. And they're not all in the perfect place, okay? But that isn't the point. We, we were told, and frankly, I will tell you, I was a true believer, and I think this was actually true. From 1956, when the tech industry as we know it began, until sometime after 2000, everything the tech industry made made our lives better. I mean, some of it wasn't that good, but, but it never did any harm, right? And so the harm stuff is very recent. So we didn't know that we were supposed to be afraid of this stuff. And neither did the politicians, right? They, the flag didn't even go up until, you know, the very end of 2017. So they're scrambling to catch up. 
And, you know, it's, it's not super easy, but tech is nothing like as complicated as health care or the defense industry or banking. And Congress does a pretty decent job of regulating those things. And so I'm looking at this going, I want to be positive about this because my own experience is that, you know, in 2017, I could barely find anybody to talk to about it, right? And now there's lots of people. And what's really interesting, right, is you see people coming together you would never expect, Right. Right? You see Ted Cruz saying nice things about Elizabeth Warren's antitrust plan. Well, there's a really good reason. Her antitrust plan is straight out of Teddy Roosevelt, right? Her, uh, right. No, I'm not joking. It's honest right. to God, Teddy Roosevelt. It's capitalism, right? And there's a good reason. That's what's so interesting about right now is we're changing the conversation. The traditional definitions of left and right don't apply here. This is about fairness. This is about liberty. This is about being an American, right? And we're going to get some interesting combinations of people on the same side, right? And, you know, and I'm looking, and any time you have both Senator Cruz and Senator Warren on the same side of an issue, you probably ought to pay attention, right? Because there's something going on. And what I'm saying to you is, I'm coming to you, I'm laying myself out here and saying to your listeners, look, I don't know that I'm absolutely right, but I think the question is the right one. Take a look. Look at when you're looking at these tech, like Amazon Alexa or Google Home, think about what those products are doing, right? Yeah, they give you the weather a 5% easier than looking on your phone, right? They give you your playlist. But they're listening all the time. You put yeah. one of those things in your bedroom, and you're trusting that Amazon's not going to use what it hears there? I mean, give me a break. I mean, that's crazy, right? And my point here is we should go and have rules that say, Amazon, you can't do that, right? You can give me playlists in the weather without listening to everything I do. You know what I mean? We Uh, we have to make these people treat us like real human beings again. Roger, I need to take a very quick break. Can you come back with us just on the other side of a two-minute break? Of course. Of course. All right. We'll be right back. A couple of minutes more with Roger McNamee. Zucked. Waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. We'll be right back with Roger right after this. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry. This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Saber and Bryant, whatever it takes. Tom Bernard here. Hey, let me ask you, do you know me because you recognize my voice or my face? Good question, isn't it? Let me ask you another one. What do you think when I say priority courier experts? Do you know them because you recognize their trucks or do you know them by their name? Well, let me tell you something you might not know about my friends at Priority. 485 local drivers, 85 office staff, 37 million deliveries since 1997, and an opportunity for you to join their company. Drivers, you can join the fleet in your own vehicle or lease to own one of theirs. Or you can join the office staff and earn the most respectable pay in the business with 15 days off in your first year. Medical, dental, matching 401k, and a genuine chance for advancement. Just ask Ryan, who started as a driver and is now dispatch manager. Over 5,000 Minnesota companies rely on priority. Because every time you call us, we deliver. Join the team today at Priority.com. That's Priority.com. 
Ooh, every breath you take, we're going to track. Here, thank you very much. A um, couple of quick, I have a, I have a statement for you, Roger, and then I have a question for you. statement is, I keep getting uh, notices that somebody just bought your book, but it's not from the bookstores. It's from the people who actually bought them. So I'm not tracking you. I just know you've sold a few books so far in the last 15 minutes. <laughs> well, I hope I'll so sell a few good. more because everyone we sell is, is, is one more person joining this campaign, which I... You know, I just say thank you to everyone who has has done so so far, and thank you in advance to all of those of you who who will take a look and give us some thought to this issue about protecting our country. I like it, Roger. I, this may seem like an odd question, and and I I am a um, I'm a really strong proponent of anti-bullying. Any way we can end bullying in this country, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook, whether it's physical, whatever. Who is Zuckerberg paying back? What what happened to him? He's paying somebody back for something. I I, I don't know what it is because yeah. I don't know him. You know, but he's I, typically. I, Tom, I don't think I don't see it quite that way. So when I knew Mark, oh, okay. which was two thousand six to two thousand nine, I actually had a fantastic relationship with him, and he really? was only twenty two when I met him, and he was way more mature than the person you see in the Social Network movie. Mind you, oh, okay. I think I only knew him in a business context, so I didn't see that side of him. Now, he had this passionate belief that connecting everybody in the world was so important that it justified any means necessary to make it. Oh, and yeah, okay. that's the problem, okay? It's this, yep. this notion yep. that, that, that anything that slows him down is like, you know, an enemy to be exterminated. And... And that part, it's that loss of perspective, you know? And Mark's really, really smart. But the truth is, you also need to have all these other characteristics, empathy, and, you, you know, you need to have read a lot yeah. of history. and You need to understand comparative religion and philosophy and other things. To be a truly great leader, you have to have some balance. And the problem in Silicon Valley is everybody is so focused on science, technology, engineering, and math, the STEM curriculum, that they forget that if you want to be a great citizen, you've got to have some of the liberal arts in there, right? You've got to read some mm-hmm. novels. You've got to read some philosophy and history. Or at least think it's important, right? I mean, you don't actually have to read it as long as you know that it matters, right? And, right, and right. I, Right? And I look at this and I go, if you know it matters, then you'll seek people out who know what they're talking about. You know, you'll find a pastor or you'll find a, a teacher who can help you get it. And in Silicon Valley, because, I mean, these are brilliant people. They had insights about how the world was changing that were really remarkable. And the way they executed their business plans, you know, on their own terms was pretty amazing. The problem is their own terms were so flawed that they hit this giant scale and all of a sudden they were changing the outcome of elections in the United Kingdom. They were causing, uh, you know, uh, ethnic cleansing in Myanmar, right? And they, they effectively enabling terrorists in New Zealand, right? And you look at all these things and you say, guys, the same things that make your product great also made all these things happen. And it's because you didn't put in any safety nets, any circuit breakers. You know, when there's a a forest fire, right, fire departments don't invent fighting forest fires. They have containment plans. They think about ahead of time how to stop it. And these guys never did that. They never took the precautions 
for when things went wrong. And what's amazing is how big they got before things really became catastrophic. But now that they're here, it's like almost every day there's some new catastrophic thing going on. Yeah, absolutely true. Now, Roger, I, you probably don't run into many guys like me, but I have not been on Twitter, Facebook, any of them uh, for six Actually, years. Actually, I run into people all the time. And the problem is, Tommy, here's what's so Good. sad about it. It doesn't matter if you're not on, because they're still collecting all your data. <laughs> they buy your oh, credit God. card information, right? They buy your oh. location from your cellular carrier. They buy any health. I mean, if you got a Fitbit, they buy all your Fitbit data. And, or, or if it's not Fitbit, they <laughs> buy somebody's data. And my point to you is, uh, yeah, because I can't be sure about the Fitbit part, but they, but they buy a lot of health and wellness data. They, they have this profile. Right, right. They, they've got this digital, really, it's a data avatar of Tom Right, and it says mm-hmm. everything about you that's known, and then they look for ways to nudge you in directions that are favorable to them. And you don't—I mean, if you ever use Google, right? If you ever have a Gmail account, trust me, they're mm-hmm. nudging you like yep. crazy. Oh yeah, okay? absolutely. And, and I mean, I play this. I treat avoiding Google like it's a video game, right? I treat it like it's. Remember the game Frogger? I'm the frog. Yes. yes. Google's the river, and the locks are all the products you know that I use instead of Google, right? I use DuckDuckGo. I use all the Apple products. Mm-hmm. I do too. Protect my privacy. You Duck, do? Duck, okay. Huh. And so yep. you use all these products, right? The problem is, every once in a while, somebody will send me a map to something, and it's like in one of those encrypted URLs, yep. and I'll click on it, not realizing it's a Google one, and then I fall back uh. in the river and I have to start again. And that happens. Me twice last week. It was so annoying. My my high is score a, is two months. Okay, if any, if anybody can top that, I want to hear from them. Is there any way of thwarting their efforts? Well, I think politically is um, you know we have that's a the only way political power because okay. well, but hang on, that's a good way. That's actually an easy way, and the reason it's an easy way is because they've so overstepped what's reasonable. Right, every company, yeah. every industry in the economy is harmed. They, you know, right now they're knocking off the media businesses, right? But after that, they're going for cars. After cars, maybe it'll be energy or banking. I mean, they have the perfect data. They own the customers. So, in time, they're just going to knock off everything. It's just like the robber barons in 1900. The reason Teddy Roosevelt is so important in American history is not the Rough Riders. It's because he restored the American economy to the ideal that the you know, our founding fathers set, which is lots of small businesses, lots of entrepreneurship, lots of innovation. When you get monopolies, that's a bad thing. And we're back at that stage again. And we've, the great thing is we've done this before. We know exactly how to do it. I mean, we actually already have the laws. We just need to enforce them. And the great thing is, as I say, I'm, I'm talking to people across the whole spectrum, and not everybody gets it yet, but that's no shock because we're just, you know, the conversation's only a year and a half old. So, you know, we'll get everybody there. And the great thing is your listeners, they're going to run into politicians. I mean, lots of people are going to campaign mm-hmm. in their listening area. And when they do, it doesn't matter whether they're running for the state legislature, whether they're running for governor, whether they're running for Congress or for the president of the United States. You go, excuse me, I don't want anybody trading my credit card information, my location, my uh, health information, my web browsing history. I don't want anybody tracking my kids at all, right? I mean, those are real simple questions. Everybody can remember that. Just don't touch my data, right? It's not a question of whether you own it or not. It's whether you can control what people do with it now that they've already stolen it. You know what amazes me, Roger, is that anything you did, especially since I host this show on the morning show, I have a lot of different guests on. So they send their information to my, my, um, you know, 
computer, my Gmail or Hotmail or, you know, they send it to this show, the morning show, whatever it is. And the things that I get sent to me in my, you know, a lot of it goes to, you know, junk mail or whatever. But the things that show up is like, oh, my God, what is this all doing here? You just get inundated with thing after thing after thing after I, I I spend pretty much all day deleting junk mail now because of different things I mean it, it's it's unbelievable how many different emails I get now I mean I get thousands of them a day and I don't even I'm not even on my computer that much it's only for this show and the morning show so it's hey look if people are, are out there on their computers all day and they're on Facebook and they're on, like I said I haven't been on it in years I have no interest in it um, but they still have access to me you're absolutely right because I still got everything they want me to know or want me to buy there I am right there uh, I, there there's a, a guy comes on a couple times a year and he, he it was kind of like the very first digital Playboy magazine thing right you know, so there wasn't any any you know pornography or any of that stuff it was like nudity but then that that broadened apparently and whenever i have him on now which i haven't now in months because i was like i don't know i gotta think about it but every time i have him on now for about the next month i get the most vile pornography sent to me it's unbelievable so that's that's a result of what you're talking about because they think i'm into that kind of thing because it's on my computer right exactly and, and you know, I'm sitting here next to my wife, so I'm just telling we're you. Talking about. <laughs> and if you use a product like Gmail, right? Right. Or, right. you know, if you use Hotmail, you know, which is a Microsoft product, or you're using mm-hmm. Google Docs, or you're using, uh, you know, the Microsoft um, on, online applications, right? Those are products where they are likely to scan and for basically to look for behavioral information, things that will predict what you're likely yes. to do. And you sit there and you go, well, wait a minute. I put all the things I'm planning to do in email, right? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. I mean, email, yes, that's right. how you communicate with people, right? And it's sort of like, I'm sorry, but you're not, you shouldn't be allowed to do that, right? And they say, well, we got to do it because we give it to you for free. And I'm going, well, hang on. You got to be honest about what you're doing. Because I think most people have no idea that that's what's going on. I think they're and, you're and absolutely they right. Know, I think most they'd people. switch. They'd switch to Apple's iCloud or something else that isn't isn't reading your mails. God, I just the privacy part of it. And and again, as well, I said, even the, being and, a local. And, and, so here's the thing, Tom. Remember this: privacy isn't about identity theft. They want us to think that's what it's really about. Privacy. Right. Is, right. Really, look up the definition. It's the ability to make choices without fear. And if somebody is watching you everywhere you go, it's going to affect your ability to make choices, right? If somebody's mm-hmm. looking at you constantly and you're aware of it, you know, and my point here is just assume now that these, other than Apple, and Apple's not perfect, but they're really trying hard on this and they're doing really good work. But other than Apple, oh, good. everybody's basically in the business of capturing all your private information, using it to make economic predictions about you, and then trying to sell those predictions to people. And I'm saying, well, you know, wait a minute. As a country, we need to have a debate whether that's the kind of world we want to live in. And when I'm on my book tour, as I am now, meeting with people every single day, overwhelmingly people go, you know, WTF, right? I mean, we do not want this, right? And I'm sitting there going, well, great. 
then we're all on the same side. We're on Team America. We're on Team Human. Let's talk to our politicians. Let them know because there are, you know, 339 million of us, and if we make our voices heard, we're going to change the outcome in a heartbeat because it won't matter what color the state is that you're in. This is a really important issue. And the great thing is, you know, if you remember a time when America was a lot less weird than it is now, and you kind of like that, (laughs) well, this is a big part of why it's so weird, okay? Yeah, it is. These guys, they profit from making us angry at each other, and we need to stop Mm -hmm. letting them do that. No, you're absolutely right about that. I mean, I'm sort of sitting here and going, yeah? I just checked both my both my email accounts. Not one bad thing is showing up. Just because I want to give you an example of the kind of things I get. There's nothing there now. So because they're listening. I don't know what that's all about. It's because we're all on the same side, Tom. Tom, it's because we're all on the same side, right? And I'm sitting here. Well, I agree. By the way, even when I talk to people at Facebook and Google, we have really good conversations because it's not personal. I'm not saying these are bad people. I'm saying that the culture that they live in. The value mm-hmm. system that grew up in Silicon Valley over the last 15 years kind of lost touch with humanity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I don't think yep, it did I that because these guys were evil. It did it because they just, there was nobody telling them, don't do that. You know what I mean? There was nobody saying, hey, guys, if you'd taken a philosophy course, you wouldn't do this because, you know, you hurt people. I mean, it never occurred to them people were going to get hurt. It never occurred to them that people would use the products differently than they intended. And the problem that we're dealing with now is that now that it's really obvious, the people in charge of these companies aren't accepting responsibility. They were not elected. They are not accountable. And yet they have the biggest voice in our politics. They have the biggest voice in running our economy. And I'm sitting there going, you guys weren't elected, okay? And I think this is a moment where we can restore faith in our government by getting them to do what we need on this issue. And that will be the first baby step on repairing the damage. We'll get it done. Roger McNamee, ladies and gentlemen, zucked waking up to the Facebook catastrophe. Roger, stay in touch. Thank I you love so much, Tom. What a, what a pleasure. Thank you very you. much, sir. Roger McNamee, Bye-bye. ladies and gentlemen. Isn't that terrifying? Oh, my God. I'm telling you. I've been worried. Like I said, as soon as I found out that they were tracking me in the stores, I'm like, this is going to go b- bad. This is, yeah, All this technology stuff is going to be bad. It is so weird because, like I said, it's, you know, it's Mr. Skin that was the guy I was talking about. Yeah. We've had him on KQ for years, but now he, he also has pornography, apparently. Mm-hmm. And he sends me this, you know, the, the membership and all that deal. And one of them have him on that you just, whatever. Every day I get this way over the top pornography and this, you know, hey, Lucy wants you to call her tonight. I get that stuff all the time. I go look on both Hotmail and Gmail, nothing. It's like, whoa. I mean, I always get it. It's weird. I I did not believe that they were listening to you because I was thinking, what could they possibly, I mean, how how do they have enough um, storage space to be listening to every single person talking about whatever stupid things that they're talking about every day. Well, they day. don't have to and store all of it. They just have to store, like, they'll hear a word, like, I don't know. Keywords or something. Yeah, you'll say, yeah, like, yep. I, I don't know, iPhone. So they'll just write in your file, talked about iPhone on this day. They don't have to, like, record all the, uh, everything you say. They just have to get the keywords and then... If you say the word iPhone X amount of times in a week, they'll start mm. advertising the iPhone because they know that you're interested right. in it. Right. 
We will be back, ladies and gentlemen. We have Richard Pryor Jr. in the first segment. I want to talk to you guys about all, all these things that Roger McNamee was talking about in the second segment, and then Bill Shelley on the third segment. Lots happening next hour. We'll be back with the family.